0: Lift off. We
1: have a lift off. It is good to hear that music. Welcome, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program tonight, I am back and it is one 1-800-WSB-TALK. I came back and they hadn't changed the name of the station. It's rather awesome. I hadn't had a vacation in forever. Now, we have lots of news to get to, so enough about me. The President of the United States uh, has is making uh, waves today with his statement to George Stephanopoulos yesterday. Uh, and the Democrats are, of course, seizing on this and really taking it out of, out of proportion to what he actually said. Listen to this comment from the president of the United States. Talk Should he
0: him? have gone to the FBI when he got that email? OK, let's put yourself in a position. You're a congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I don't think from tell you, what, you do I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI in my whole life. I don't, you don't call the FBI. You the FBI director much. says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. Your campaign this time, around: if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. You want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, while I think you should go to the FBI, it's not interference in the election. If someone comes and has opposition research on the other side, it's not really interfering in the election. Your opponent may not like it, but let's be honest, all sides agree with this. All sides would do it. And we know that all sides would do it. And and I'm not excusing it per se, but all sides would do it. And for the Democrats out there screaming at the radio saying, no, the Democrats would not. Actually, they did. They did. Yes, they did. It's called the steel dossier. We spent an entire day with me walking you through the steel dossier before I went on vacation. And what did the Democrats do with the Steele dossier? Now, you're screaming at your radio. I can hear you all the way in my soundproof studio. I can hear those of you screaming, but they gave it to the FBI. The Steele dossier began being compiled in February of 2016, and the Democrats did not give it to the FBI until October of 2016 the Democrats had it fully within their control and possession by the end of March 2016 and they continued to build the Steele dossier. And among the bits of of data in the Steele dossier was a claim that the Russians had a videotape of prostitutes using the bathroom on the President of the United States in a hotel room as part of some inappropriate adult thing that the President was doing with prostitutes. It turns out that's a lie. It is a lie fabricated by the Russians. It was circulated and given to Christopher Steele to put into the dossier, and the Democrats began to leak that gossip, inappropriate gossip, to the news media, claiming the Russians had this tape. The rumor of the so called P tape began circulating through major media outlets across the country in the summer of 2016, months before the Democrats handed the Steele dossier to the FBI. The Democrats used the Steele dossier to plant stories with Yahoo News and Michael Isikoff and others. And then the FBI used those news stories to get uh, FISA warrants. The Democrats used the Christopher Steele dossier to plant negative stories on the president and negative suggestions about the president and his business. By the way, most of which were refuted by the Mueller investigation. The Mueller investigation actually looked into the claims of the Steele dossier and refuted overwhelmingly all of them. The most substantive thing to come out of all of this is that the president did have a business deal in Moscow for a real estate venture that he denied existed that actually did exist. But that really wasn't the heart of the Steele dossier. For the Democrats to be out there and and claiming that this is awful, this is terrible, and the media, by the way, to do that as well, it's all nonsense because the Democrats did it too. Let me read you a series of, of tweets from Lindsey Graham. First, I believe that it should be practice for all public officials who are contacted by a foreign government with an offer of assistance to their campaign, either directly or indirectly, to inform the FBI and reject the offer. But this has not been recent practice, and we saw this come to a head in the 2016 presidential campaign. During that race, we had a major American political party hire a foreign national, Christopher Steele, to dig up dirt on an American presidential candidate. And if that was not bad enough, the foreign national compiled an unverified dossier that was then used by the FBI to obtain a warrant against an American citizen and surveil an American presidential campaign. It has also come to light that the foreign national had a well-known political bias, was doing everything in his power to harm an American candidate's electoral chances, and sought to directly influence who the American people elected as their next president. American electoral campaigns should be run by, for, and decided by the American people. Foreign influence in our electoral process is and has been a problem. One of the corrective actions that I'm pursuing is to ensure that foreign political operatives cannot be allowed to manipulate the American political process. Changes like this will serve our democracy well. Finally, the outrage some of my Democratic colleagues are raising about President Trump's comments will hopefully be met with equal outrage that their own party hired a foreign national to do opposition research on President Trump's campaign, and that information, unverified, was apparently used by the FBI to obtain a warrant against an American citizen. Yes, amen, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, of all people. Putting this out there. But there's more that really needs to give you some perspective on this before you get super outraged at the president. And again... I think the president's wrong to say he wouldn't share it with the FBI. He should share it with the FBI. But let's not pretend the Democrats weren't doing the same thing. The Democrats want to take this high-minded, oh, he would never do this. This is that awful Donald Trump. No, no, no. They were doing it, too. They were doing it, too. And they've become so emotionally invested in this narrative, they can't admit that the Christopher Steele dossier used Russian opposition research to try to hurt President Trump. They can't admit it, even though it's. if you read the Mueller report, I've read the Mueller report. It is true. The dossier is dripping with Russian intelligence counterinformation. False facts designed to smear the president. The Democrats took advantage of that and generated a bunch of hit jobs on the president in the national news media. Including, let's remember, Buzzfeed ran the entire dossier. So let's uh, Democrats try to play—they've got clean hands in this. They don't. They don't. But there's something else to put this in larger perspective. We have breaking news out of the White House. After three and a half years, this from President Trump, after three and a half years, our wonderful Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be leaving the White House at the end of the month, going home to the great state of Arkansas. She's a very special person with extraordinary talents who has done an incredible job. I hope she decides to run for governor of Arkansas. She would be fantastic. Sarah, thank you for a job well done. Uh, there we go. The president of the United States of America uh, announcing Sarah Sanders, the White House press secretary, will be leaving at the end of the month to go home to Arkansas. Uh, and then again, Sarah Sanders, the White House press secretary, leaving the White House. This is breaking news. The president putting it on Twitter as of three minutes ago. Uh, so you here at WSB News hearing it before anybody else because, hey, we multitask while we talk. Now, let's get back to this idea about the, the, the president using foreign information. I want to put this in perspective. One of the other stories that the media is telling people out there right now is that uh, foreign governments are spending lots of money at the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., and they're doing so to influence the Trump administration. Again, foreign governments are spending massive sums of money at the Trump Hotel to impress and influence the Trump administration. Saudi Arabia, Oman, Bahrain, Qatar, European countries, a bunch of people who want to go see the president, they're staying at the Trump Hotel, and this is benefiting the president. I want to put this in perspective for you. It's Buck Sexton, actually, uh, who actually trotted out the numbers to show everyone this afternoon. Did you know that Bill Clinton got more money for one speech from Russia than all of the foreign governments have spent combined at the Trump Hotel? And that Bill Clinton got that money from Russia at the time his wife was the sitting secretary of state of the United States of America. The media didn't care. The media didn't run that story. And this is all of a thread. I told you I was going to run a a series of stories together to paint a larger picture for you. The news media is also running the story about Fort Sill, Oklahoma. It is a military base where President Barack Obama housed um, illegal alien detainee children, migrant children who are crossing the border illegally with their parents. President Obama separated them from their families and housed them at Fort Sill, Alabama. President Trump is doing the same thing. He's doing exactly what President Obama did. But the headline, the headline is that President Trump is seizing migrant children and placing them in a Japanese, in former Japanese internment camp. In fact, Fort still Fils- so was during World War II used as an internment camp for the Japanese. But the media didn't run the story With Barack Obama, they didn't highlight the fact it was a Japanese internment camp. They didn't. Right now they're running the story that it's a Japanese internment camp and and they're not even saying that Barack Obama used the place as well. There's a real bias in how the media is telling these stories. They are biased in how they're telling the story about the president and and foreign intelligence and the Steele dossier. They're biased about this Fort Sill story. They're biased about a lot of these things. It's how they're telling the stories. They're willing to give the Democrats the benefit of the doubt. They're never willing to give the president the benefit of the doubt. Now, you could say the president doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, that's a fair point. I I think it is a fair point. The president oftentimes does have a a painful relationship with the truth. But so do the Democrats. And the media is not holding them to the same standard. So, yeah, your big story of the day, the president says he would he would take foreign intelligence and use it against the Democrats. The Democrats are outraged about this. The media is outraged about this. And no one's pointing out that's exactly what the Democrats did with the Steele dossier. Oh, I could read a script for the call map. It's my sponsor but I don't need to read an ad for it because my whole family uses it. In fact, my 10-year-old loves it and swears, this is just him, he swears that the Calm app has gotten rid of his nightmares. Now, that's not really true because he came in just last night with a nightmare, but the Calm app does help him get to sleep. It calms his mind. Why? Because he starts listening to the stories, and as he listens to the stories, he drifts off to sleep. It is a great app for sleep. Sleep deficiency does serious damage, not just to your brain, but to your body. as well with the Calm app you can calm down you can go through their stress and meditation um, stories and and the the methods that they talk about your kids can listen to the calm stories you can listen to them and go to sleep it really is an app that my family uses and it really is an app that my family likes and right now my listeners get 25% off a calm premium subscription at calm.com/eric that com m.com/eric 40 million people have downloaded calm including every member of my family find out why at calm.com/eric So we're coming really close to being able to announce our special guest at the Resurgent Gathering. I can't confirm for you who it's going to be yet. Uh, but hopefully, uh, the white house or organization will tell me shortly that I can make it public. They called today to confirm it. So if you want to come before I jack up the price more than double, when I actually tell you who's coming, uh, you can text the word Atlanta to three, four, five, three, four, five, and show up and, uh, maybe see somebody super important who has secret service with him. Uh, now I, I'm, I'm going to throw this open to you and i'll take your phone calls here in a minute uh we, we got to you know what actually no uh, i'm going to be disciplined here i'm going to go to daniel and monroe first daniel welcome to the program how are you
0: hey eric i have two words for you welcome back i have not heard your voice since before the state convention
1: oh well wow.
0: um i've been out of listening range but uh i want your thoughts um if the roles were reversed it was a democratic president and she were in this uh i wouldn't call it mess predicament and we had a Republican controlled Congress. Um, would the media be acting the same? No, um, I,
1: I think that's the problem here, Daniel. I think people should be. Concerned with what happened. When you read the Mueller report, uh, there aren't a lot of clean hands in the Trump campaign. And I think the president did do some things wrong. But I think the outrage by the media is, is way disproportionate to if there were a Democratic president. I mean, for example, take just the stories about uh, foreign governments staying at the Trump hotel to try to influence the president. Foreign governments were inviting Bill Clinton to give speeches and paying him millions of dollars to do so when they had. Deal- before the State Department with Hillary Clinton there. And the media never covered that. In fact, the media downplayed and dismissed a lot of that. Uh, I actually think conservatives have gotten the Uranium One story wrong. Uh, they peddled a conspiracy theory where there was none. But there actually are a lot of stories out there that everybody missed uh, relating to the Clinton Foundation, the amount of money they were getting when Hillary Clinton was was Secretary of State. And the media never covered those stories. The media dismissed those stories. The, the media re- refused to, to cover those stories. Uh, and and that's, that's a real problem, I think, um, the way the media shapes these stories and the way the media tries to roll these stories out. Take the Fort Sill story in Oklahoma, the a Japanese internment camp. Uh, they never bother to point out that Barack Obama was housing illegal aliens in a Japanese internment camp. It was instead a, a Fort Sill in Oklahoma. But they point this out with Donald Trump, and you have to ask yourself why. Why are they willing to point these out with Donald Trump, but they're not willing to point these out with Barack Obama? I have I have no idea, but I I I, might, I venture to say it's a real partisan bias the media is is willing to shape narratives. In fact, when we come back, I want to talk about a a media shaping narrative. Uh, We'll get into it when we come back. Right now, though, I want to remind you that uh, we started a thing on my birthday. That was the first uh, day we were on the air in June, where every month I want to highlight a local nonprofit. That is a Georgia nonprofit doing work in Georgia and around the world, doing good if you want to support it. Uh, And this month, I'm highlighting Help the Persecuted. Help the Persecuted is a non-profit Christian organization headquartered here in Georgia, and it helps persecuted Christians in the Middle East, uh, particularly Muslim converts to Christianity. If you want to help them, text the, word, or text the letters WSB to 345 When we come back, though, another media story out this week that if you knew the facts, you would wonder why it was a story. it's so great to be back from vacation i mean i I love my family i I love my kids i love my wife i love my parents i love my sisters and brothers-in-law nieces and nephews but i also love you guys and being behind this microphone it, it this is not a job to come to every day uh, this is be hanging out with friends and family. The phone number here is four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. I I, I want to deviate uh, from from the story I want to tell you about real quick because I I need to tell the story and I, I don't have a long segment, but uh, please do stick around because we do need to talk about uh, the other media story. the 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 governor is headed to South Korea, uh, and the media fixation with Stacey Abrams continues. We we got other stuff to talk about, but I just I, this happened to me last night. I went went over to Publix. You know, Publix is a very good job. Publix grocery stores do a very good job of helping people in need. They've got some great charities. And and so I'm I'm leaving the grocery store and I got my groceries. I'm putting them in the car. It's like nine fifteen at night. And a woman pulls up. She's in a suburban and she has uh, five kids in the suburban with her. She says, excuse me, sir. And I assume she's lost and say, yes, ma'am. And she says, I'm – my babies and I – or me and my babies are staying at the sleep in. Can, can you help us? And, and I just looked at her and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but this grocery store does a really good job of helping people in need. And I – and before I could even finish this, she drove off. There was a woman coming out of the Publix, and she whipped around, slammed on the brakes, and started the whole spiel with that lady. And that lady – Obviously didn't help, and so she moved off to someone else she saw in the parking lot. And, and there's this third third person there, the this, this, the black lady. And I had to fall out laughing with her because she looks at me, and she's shaking her head. She says, "That's one of the good things about being black in the South is they don't do that to us." <laughs> what? Never, I didn't know that. But um, but anyway, th- then I I look at the lady and I'm like, I I always feel, but should I give somebody like that money? Or not, and, and friends of mine are really mixed on this, of, of should you give when someone comes up to you a parking lot like that, do you give them money? And the lady, she said no woman, no mother with five babies would be driving a Suburban at 14 miles per gallon circling the Publix parking lot after 9 o'clock at night begging for money if she was really in need. It's like, okay, that makes sense. So I went inside to the Publix and, and said, look, there's a woman out here. And she's harassing people for money, begging people for money. I didn't say harass, begging people for money, has her kids in the car. And the guy looked at me, he says, she's been here every day this week after 9 p.m. between 9 and 10 closing time. And I just thought, good Lord. So, I, I, I mean, what do you do? I mean, I, I didn't want to call de uh, but, I mean, what do you what do? You do, with, do I feel bad that I'm not helping somebody, but at the same time, I think a lot of these people, they they either don't know how to get out of the hole or they don't really need the help. They're just begging for the sake of it. You see all those profiles of people. WSB TV's done a story before following somebody uh, who was begging on the side of the road, and then they get in a fancy car and, and drive off to a house, uh, and then they get confronted, and they, they don't really need the money. I just it, it it just frustrates me because I do give a lot of money to uh, churches and charities to help people in need, and I am I'm just eh, I don't know. And then like uh, my my buddy Fred, he's guilting me on Twitter. The Bible says give with an open heart. Not saying you should have given her money, but my understanding is we should give without question. I, yeah, but I I I also think that I give my money to lots of groups and to needy groups and to nonprofits and to churches to help people like that. And increasingly think that we're generating cycles of not just dependence, but cycles of people who don't actually get themselves out of the hole because they beg. Um, And I think there's a, there's a fundamental difference. Um, So I don't know. What do you people do? I'm actually genuinely interested in that because I just, I, I, I tend not to give to panhandlers these days, largely because I think that many of them actually are, are not actually in need. And those that are, sh- I'm happy to help direct them to the places where I do give money to help them. Uh, just, it, it aggravates me. Uh, now. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, the governor is going to South Korea on a trade mission. I want to fill you in on that. And also the shutdown of the House of Representatives. That's gotten virtually no media attention. Uh, so the governor is headed off. Uh, this is his first big trade deal as governor of the state of georgia trying to bring business back to the state and good for him it is a trade mission greg Bluestein and scott truby at the ajc have the story he will travel to south korea at the end of the month For the international economic development mission seeking to bolster ties with South Korea, he plans a series of business meetings over several days in South Korea. Uh, It's significant because South Korean firms have invested $2 billion in Georgia in just the last year. That's actually pretty amazing. Uh, SK Innovation broke ground on a $1.7 billion plant in Jackson County. That's going to employ 2,000 people. Solar manufacturer uh, Hanwha Q Cells hired 600 staffers in Georgia. That's just phenomenal. South Korea is the 8th largest purchaser of Georgia exports. It is the 5th largest importer of goods to Georgia behind China, Germany, Mexico, and Japan. And The biggest symbol is, of course, uh, Kia Motors in West Point. That's just, you know, this is good for the governor, good for the governor to be out there. And notice how the conversation is pivoting now. The Democrats, I'm sure, will throw up some more opportunities to question uh, the, the pro-life fetal heartbeat legislation in Georgia. But by and large, Republicans have refused to uh, continue to try to advance the story. They're moving on. And it's beginning to force Democrats to move on so they don't just seem like a, a one-note wonder. Um, good for good for the governor doing this, and it's just nice to see that the story is starting to turn. Because i got to tell you, when I was heading into vacation, I was starting to get really tired about talking about the fetal heartbeat legislation. You know, the, you know, the progressive activists are out there harassing Delta today uh, because the CEO of Delta said he's not going to take a position on it. That he's got—they uh, fly all people, and, and half their company supports it and half opposes it. And why are they going to get in the middle of something where there's so much opinion on both sides? Good for Delta. Progressive activists, however— are really, really upset with Delta for not joining a bunch of left-wing tech companies from Silicon Valley declaring these laws to be terrible. Uh, Delta holding firm. You know, as, as much as Delta opposes so much conservative legislation, including the religious uh, freedom legislation, uh, the fact that they're refusing to take a stand here, they should be commended for that. It is Eric Erickson. I am back from vacation. Welcome. The phone number is 750 One eight hundred WSB Talk. John calling from New York. Welcome to the program.
2: Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I uh, listen to stations from home on uh I Radio from time to time. I live up here now, north of Syracuse, but um, I'm listening to you over oh,
1: iHeart. And anyway, beautiful area, uh, by the way.
2: Oh, it's gorgeous. But, you know, don't buy a boat and plan on skiing because the summer temperatures just don't allow it sometimes. Yeah. But um, I heard your conversation, and what I do and what I've taught my teenagers to do is if someone meets you in a parking lot, asks for help or what have you, offer to go in and buy them groceries. Offer to put the gas in their tank if that's what they're after. And oftentimes you'll see them drive away like you mentioned this lady did. If they have a real need, they'll be thankful that you're willing to buy them food. They'll take five gallons or ten gallons of gas and go on their way and be thankful. But uh, giving them cash, you know, you think about what the yeah. – for the Good Samaritan, what he did for the person on the side of the road. He didn't throw cash at him. He met their need. So uh, we can meet their need comparison. and fulfill the biblical mandate, um, but we do not have to facilitate their lifestyle.
1: That's that's excellent advice, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening up there in, in New York State, not New York City, New York State, the real New York. Jimmy in Buford, you're up next.
0: Welcome. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, the caller before me hit my comment on the on my head. I was I, I travel a lot, and I get about one or two of these a month. And I offer to bring them inside a gas station, uh, get them a hot dog, bag of chips, cola, candy bar. Goodies, whatever they want. And probably 90% of them turn me down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just, they, mm-hmm. I have money and I'm blessed and I don't mind sharing. It. But yeah. if you need it, I'll give it to you. But if you're going to buy beer, alcohol, or, you know, I'm not going to help too much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, that That's kind of my concern. And honestly, it's after nine o'clock at night. You got five kids, and all of them were young kids, too. Um, i i don't know that any of them were even old enough to actually be in school they were they were young down to in a car seat uh two of them in a car seat so i yeah yeah i I think that's good advice though is is be willing to to help just not with cash uh i think that's that's fair and then then you find out you find out okay we need to move on to other news because there is a lot of other news out there um i want to round up some phone calls though here with jack in gainesville relevant to the governor's trip welcome Hey, Jack, you there?
0: Yes, sir, I am. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm wore out, dude. Yeah? Yeah, I've been doing work and vacation Bible school all week, and I finally got a day off. Oh, mercy. Wow.
1: Well, what do you think about the export-import situation?
0: It's kind of, it's it's strange. I I, I import a lot of stuff. I don't export a lot of stuff. Uh, my, my company that I work for, we, we definitely import a lot of stuff because we have facilities in China and France and Spain and Mexico and mm-hmm. in, and in Canada. Uh, when you, you were talking about, uh, I think it was Kia opening up a shop in Georgia and 600 jobs, but bringing the business back to the United States is a whole lot more than just those 600 jobs. Right. Because, I mean, that's a tier one company. Mm -hmm. But my my customers are like Hyundai, Toyota, Cessna, Boeing. Uh, Even though a lot of the equipment they're using is manufactured in uh, Europe or Asia, if they can get it fixed in the United States, that increases a multitude of jobs
1: it, it does hey, look jack you're right i gotta let you go there because we've got a hard break but yeah you're bringing in kia and then you got all the surrounding jobs not to mention like you go down towards where the the kia plan is all the all the fast food restaurants and grocery stores and everything else that springs up uh the governor's going out and attracting jobs which is what the people in georgia are going to vote for him for on re-election in 2022 Good evening and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news. I am back from vacation. The phone number is 404-872-0750. Or 1 800 WSB Talk. We will move along to the other news, but this just hit the wire a few minutes ago. Uh, during commercial break, as a matter of fact, uh, this came out from the New York Times. Joe Biden said he did not view abortion as a choice and a right in 2006. Uh, he viewed it as a tragedy. It's a newly unearthed video from 2006. Uh, Joe Biden saying he supported Roe versus Wade, but did not view abortion as, quote, a choice and a right. Remarks that raise further questions about how he views abortion rights as he runs for the Democratic presidential nomination and faces pressure over his position on the issue. Quote, I do not view abortion as a choice and right. I think it's always a tragedy. He said this uh, in an interview with the Texas Monthly. It resurfaced uh, by CNN. Uh, Joe Biden says, I think it should be rare and safe. I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. He said he's a little bit of an odd man out of my own party because he wouldn't vote for federal financing of abortions, had voted to limit late-term abortions, but supported Roe versus Wade. You know, I'm I'm so tired of the abortion story because there's so much other stuff to – uh, talk about, but it's all consuming right now, largely because of the Democratic primary. It has become a litmus test for the Democrats. You, you know what's so interesting here? We don't even have to focus on abortion per se as to how the media covers these issues. It's always a litmus test with Republicans on pro lifers, and the media never uses that language with the Democrats. But yet, here we have Democrats who are attacking Joe Biden for not being sufficiently committed to killing children. Someone earlier, a a, a listener who hate listens, apparently, on social media, said that the reason I had decided to support the president in 2020 is because my masters at WSB told me to. And, you know, I suspect there are a lot of people who think that, that my masters at WSB told me to do. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, they they were deeply worried around here. I was sabotaging my career by not supporting the president in 2016, and it worked out great ratings-wise and everything else. Being my own person, telling you what I think. You know, the, the primary reason I'm supporting Donald Trump for re-election in 2020 is because the other side is full of a bunch of people who want to kill babies and impose socialism on the United States and also persecute Christians while they're at it why i'm supporting donald trump for re-election look at joe biden the former vice president of the united states for barack hussein obama the first black president of the united states a man the democrats have cheered on forever is being attacked for not being sufficiently committed to the cause of killing children and i I don't want to dance around this issue do you know what they do do you know how an abortion is performed don't say it's not killing a human being And they're attacking Joe Biden for not being sufficiently committed to the cause. This is Lord of the Flies territory in the Democratic primary. It's disgusting. That's why I'm voting for Donald Trump in 2020. In 2016, he was a hypothetical. He was a Democrat who had supported abortion rights, who even on the campaign trail as the Republican nominee for president was praising the good things Planned Parenthood does. Turns out, He was more sufficiently committed to the causes that he was new to than I expected him to be and surrounded himself with very good people and is very committed to the pro-life cause and to shutting down Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry in this country, and I am totally in favor of that. Meanwhile, the Democrats are exposing themselves as being gross and callous when it comes to killing children. They don't even want to admit that they're killing kids. They get defensive about it. You got the governor of Virginia talking about letting women give birth to children, making the children comfortable, and then deciding whether or not to kill it or keep it alive. And you you got the news media, Chris Cuomo at CNN and others, denying that he said it when you can hear it with your own ears. The media serving as just gross propaganda outlets for the Democrats, and now they're attacking Joe Biden for not being committed to the cause of killing kids enough. That's just perverted. I want to put all of this in a larger perspective for you because I think you need this perspective. I, I will scuttle all the things I wanted to talk about to talk about this big breaking news item. Joe Biden, in an undercover tape from 2006, uh, said that he didn't view abortion as a right. He viewed it as a tragedy and that he was OK with uh, restricting late term abortions, etc., even though he supported Roe v. Wade. Here's the larger perspective on this. Joe Biden's probably going to be the Democratic nominee. He's not guaranteed to be the Democratic nominee, but we're we're all talking small ball here. The media oftentimes gets caught in day-to-day campaign narration hit jobs. CNN probably did not undercover this video of, of Joe Biden. They were probably referred to it by another one of the camps. And it's one of the other camps that thinks that They need to rally progressives against Joe Biden and need to consolidate their position, or at least keep Joe Biden from consolidating the position. But the reality is, if you actually poll Democratic voters, they want a winner, and they view Joe Biden as that winner. When he was an undeclared candidate for president of the United States, Joe Biden was commanding 25 to 30 percent of the Democratic primary. Joe Biden is a declared candidate for president now, and he's getting 30 to 40 percent of the Democratic vote right now. Elizabeth Warren has gone up. Pete Buttigieg has gone up. Bernie Sanders is going down. Kamala Harris is going down. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand is just going to town as an idiot. I mean, she has become the village idiot of the Democratic Party. Um, Beto O'Rourke has gone emo I mean these people aren't getting traction This is a race, Uh, Sanders only because of name ID But Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden This is the race The others are has-beens Are also runs Uh, Former presidential candidates already Elizabeth Warren is gaining some traction as the progressive alternative to Joe Biden. And what we're seeing is that progressives are gravitating to her as she gets more outlandish against the president and is willing to take on Joe Biden for not being sufficiently committed to the cause of murdering children. But she's still a wild card, and frankly, she's still an obnoxious personality, and a lot of Democrats don't personally like her. Folks, she's not liked by voters in Massachusetts. Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, beats her in some head-to-head polling for the Senate. So Joe Biden is the nominee, barring an unforeseen circumstance, barring a a massive upheaval of the progressive vote. But by and large, the people who are going to vote in the Democratic primary are older black women. Older black women are going to make the difference in the Democratic primary as they have in every other Democratic primary. And you know who older black women like? They like Joe Biden. Do You know why they like Joe Biden? They like him because he was Barack Obama's vice president, and they like him because he's seen as a grown-up in the room, and they want some stability in their lives and the lives of their kids. So they like Joe Biden. That's why Biden's probably going to be it. All of this other stuff is is just, it's the day-to-day routine that the media depends on clicks, the media depends on circumstances, and these campaigns depend on pushing out their opposition research. You got to keep your eye on the price here. That's why the president, Donald Trump, is so focused on Joe Biden and so much of his opposition research is focused on Joe Biden. And so much of the president's tweets about the Democrats is focused on Joe Biden because the president sees where this is headed, that Joe Biden is probably going to be the nominee, so you got to go out there and define him as best you can. He's hard to define because 98% of Americans already know who the man is. Most of them like him, even if they disagree with him on politics. Even among Republicans who will vote for Donald Trump, a significant portion actually like Joe Biden. They just won't vote for him because they disagree with him on issues. So what the Democrats have to do, you've got 2,000 candidates running; only one or two of them can challenge the pres. Can challenge Joe Biden. They've got to consolidate. And what they first have to do is show that Joe Biden is not sufficiently committed to monstros- monstrous atrocities like killing kids. And then one of them, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, one of them has to come out and say, you know what, I'll kill the kids for you. I, I will outkill the kids that all the other Democrats will kill and try to convince progressives that they're more murderous than Joe Biden. So progressives will go out and vote for him. That's where we are in this campaign right now. All the other candidates have to show that they are more willing to kill more kids than Joe Biden is and try to get progressives to rally around them. There's a problem, though. The Democrats have become so invested in diversity and intersectionality. Are they really going to give it to a white guy just because he's gay or a white woman who pretended to be a Native American who really wasn't when you've got all these more diverse candidates out there? That's going to cause the progressives problems trying to beat joe biden If you're carrying revolving debt, that means you're not paying off your credit card every month and could be paying thousands in interest every year that you don't have to. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. No trips to the bank, no high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan's automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com Eric. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com Eric. LendingClub.com Eric. All loans made by WebBank, member of FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson back from vacation. I just, I, I got to give a, a tip of the hat to, to Greg. Who's, uh, we, we connected on Airbnb last year and we stayed at his house out in rural Louisiana and now he listens to the show and I can't express to him how relaxing it was to be out there for a week with my family. The house was big enough. I have my sisters and, in and their kids could stay with us, and we just had a good family time. There was no internet; it was so far out in the country. Uh, the internet was by satellite, uh, so you could get it and, except when the storms came. But it was slow; it was okay. There were no cell phones, so the cell phones—none of our cell phones worked. So we had to visit with each other, and the iPads couldn't stream stuff because satellite internet was somewhat clunky for too many people to use. And it was just—it was—we visited with each other. I did a lot of cooking. They had—he had this beautiful, beautiful fridge stove um oh it was just it, it was wonderful it was wonderful it was now when we come back i will take calls some of you are on hold i'm happy to take your phone calls we just don't have enough time to do you justice right now 404-872-0750 wsb talk those are the phone numbers here happy to take your calls and chip roy He's coming to the resurgent gathering. Chip Roy is a congressman from Texas, longtime friend of mine, and he's made many of you mad because he single-handedly blocked the disaster relief package Congress was considered to overbreak because he wanted members of Congress to have to vote on it, not pass it by a voice vote of one person standing on the floor. Well, now he's made so many Democrats mad they're literally cussing at him on the floor of the House. It's so good to be back. It's Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I love vacation. I love my family, but I love you guys. And and people always tell me I have to take vacation days because I don't like to take vacation days because my job is more like a hobby. I mean, it's a job, but it's also... I just love it. I I love being with you guys. And there's news on all the time. Like, I got to be on radio today. And I can't because I'm on vacation. So... Here I am with you, and let's go to the phones and take your phone calls. 404-872-0750, wsb talk John in Woodstock, you are up next. Welcome.
0: Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. I sure. appreciate it. Um, I've been a psychotherapist for close to six years now, and I've had a few women clients who have had abortion. And big shock, none of them ever told me it was the best decision they ever made. In fact, they all regretted it. Mm -hmm. And all of them suffered from grief and depression. And surprising, that's a story that's never covered, and I wonder why.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you should say that. Um, The number of stories of people out there. And you know the other one, John, that that irks me, uh, because it's personal to my life, is the number of times of women who go to the doctor, the doctor says, there, there may be a deformity you should abort, and they don't, and their child is perfectly healthy. Um,
0: I right. yeah, find
1: that highly unethical. Oh yeah, yeah I, listen, my, when my wife w- was pregnant with our second child, she had to be on blood thinner uh, injections twice a day, uh, every day, while she was pregnant, and there was a chance that they could impact the, our child, and the doctor said, no, you can just have an abortion and start over. I mean, just, just matter-of-factly, and thankfully our child was born. Perfectly fine, but I I know a woman whose child tested positive in the test for Down syndrome. The doctor urged her to have an abortion. She did not, and her child's perfectly healthy. Doesn't even have Down syndrome. Um, and even if it if the child did have Down syndrome, she wouldn't have aborted. But yeah, you're you're right, John. Thanks very much for that. Because, uh, the the, the emotional impact of having an abortion, and now you have this cult-like effort on the left to convince women that they're really not having that problem when they are. It's just it's it's staggering. Now, I, I want to move on from this. That's such, I'm, I'm so glad he called to, to say that. Um, I want to move on to Chip Roy. Chip Roy is a longtime friend of mine, a dear friend. Uh, his wife and I share the same birthday. Their anniversary was yesterday. Uh, they got great kids. When I go to Texas, I stay with them. We hang out. I go to church with them. Uh, there, he's just a, he's an all around good guy, deeply committed to principles of smaller government and less spending in Washington and spending needs to be paid for. And so he made a lot of Georgians mad because Chip is the guy who obstructed passage of the disaster relief package for Georgia. He didn't dispute that the relief package was needed. His point was that Uh, There were changes that were made in it that had not previously been known, and the House of Representatives needed to actually be present to vote for it, as opposed to letting them all go home, having them make changes, and rushing the vote. And so he objected, and he forced them to wait until Congress got back to debate it. They debated it, he voted for it, it passed. The president signed it, the money's flowing. Well, he really believes in this stuff. And so one of the things that Chip did is yesterday the House was preparing its annual spending package, and they had 106 amendments to the spending package. And the way the Democrats structured the debate was to essentially have everyone leave, and then they were going to pass them by unanimous consent, and no one was going to have to actually vote on the amendments, some of which gave members of Congress pay raises, and and some of them would have further obstructed uh, the president's Uh, immigration efforts so chip went to the floor of the house representatives and he forced them to vote on every single one of the 106 amendments and under the terms of the debate on the floor they could all be debated and so they had to be debated so they were there chip gave up his wedding anniversary he he should have been taken care of out for supper and instead he was in washington dc on the floor of the House of Representatives until sunrise this morning forcing Democrats to actually vote for things they were hoping to pass without having to be held accountable for, like a pay raise for themselves. He forced them to vote for it. He forced them to vote for bigger spending. He forced them to vote and managed killing some of the, they pulled some of the amendments because the Democrats didn't actually want their names attached to them. They were hoping it would just be unanimous consent. No one would actually have to have their names attached. He managed to scuttle pieces of legislation that otherwise would have passed by forcing the Democrats to have to vote for it. So I say good on him. Now, he told me a funny story, that the older the Democrats were, the more they complained about having to work. And a number of the Democrats got so mad at him, they literally cussed him out on the floor of the House of Representatives for forcing them to stay there. Cussed him out. Um, So Chip is getting cussed out by these members of Congress. What I find so funny is that Matt Fuller, who is a reporter for the Huffington Post, he he used to be a reporter for Congressional Quarterly. When he got to the Huffington Post, he became very comfortable with showing everyone he's actually a a very far-left progressive. And he dared to tweet out – that Chip Roy was inconveniencing people. Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, was inconveniencing people by making members of Congress vote. What Matt Miller was upset about is being a congressional reporter. He had to stay in cover the whole thing. He didn't like that he had to do his job. You know, Jamie Dupree was there. Jamie Dupree was not there complaining all night. Jamie Dupree was there covering it all night long. He wasn't complaining about Chip Roy inconveniencing members of Congress by making them do their job. Entitled liberal millennial reporter. Matt Fuller complained that he was an inconvenience to people. Chip Roy getting cussed out by members of Congress, getting cussed out by Georgians. Uh, for standing on his principles that, that he thinks that the spending needs to be accounted for and members of Congress need to go on the record on spending bills and, and not just pass things by unanimous consent. God bless him for doing that. Uh, the governor of Georgia has made some news appointing the first statewide Hispanic elected official, except not really elected because he's an appointment, John King. No, not John King from CNN, who's a, a good friend of mine. Nope. It is John King, uh, who is, what, the, the sheriff? Um, where is is the police chief? Police chief in Doraville. Uh, He is now uh, the Doraville Police Chief John King is the interim insurance commissioner, uh, with Jim Beck, who is suspended but still taking his paycheck. Uh, John King will get a paycheck as well. Uh, We got to keep paying um, Jim Beck. How was it, (laughs) Glenn? Jim Beck, because he's duly elected. He hadn't resigned. He hadn't been kicked out of office. So uh, you got to still pay him. But John King will get a paycheck as well for being the interim interim. Uh, insurance commissioner. Now, some people are raising concerns that that John King does not have a background in insurance, and he doesn't. Uh, he'll also be the state fire marshal. He doesn't have a background. What he does have a background in, though, is uh, cleaning up out-of-control bureaucracies and rooting out corruption. And so, yeah, he will have to rely on people. I, my advice to John King is fire all the people that, John, that, that uh, Jim Beck put in there. Uh, get rid of the people who were with Jim Beck uh, you want to clean up the office you 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 had Ralph Hudgens who was a model of integrity and honesty in that office and maybe bring back some of the people uh, who are with, with Ralph Hudgens. But we need to move beyond Jim Beck, and I think John King can do it. And he's the first statewide now, statewide Hispanic official in the state of Georgia. Pretty big signal from the governor here. Some Republicans had kept uh, Galio at arm's length. That's the Georgia Association of Latino Elected Officials. It's a great organization, by the way. Galio is phenomenal organization, a great group of people. But a lot of Republicans had kept him at arm's length because of the immigration fight. It's nice to see Governor Kemp reaching out and and working with them and finding one of their members to be the first statewide Latino official in Georgia.